right, our text, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10. Actually, this is going to be verse 10b through verse 12. You say, I don't see a b in there. Well, I made it a b in my own, so I added to the scriptures, I guess. But anyway, it's the second half of the verse is what that means. But um, I'm going to start the second half because it's talking about the man of sin, and that's uh, that Antichrist, that world leader that's going to rule up. And that's not what I want to talk about uh, so much of him tonight. We'll hit that a little bit, but uh, I just want to cover something I covered this morning. We were talking about the rapture this morning. The rapture is the next major thing on God's calendar, you might say, to happen. It's when every saved person is caught up to be with the Lord. The Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. You just think about that. The Apostle Paul, yeah, his spirit has been with the Lord all these years. He died with his head being cut off for preaching Christ. But all of a sudden, even though that perhaps there's nothing but dust left of him, that may be all that's left of him. There are people that have drowned. Bottoms of the oceans, bottoms of, of rivers and other areas. But in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, suddenly a body is going to come back up. Those out of the graves, those out of wherever they uh, are from, uh, whether it's the bottom of the sea, just dust in a tomb somewhere, they'll be caught up in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, because this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. That's in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 54. But as I'm talking about that, I'm just saying is that it'll be just quicker than that snap of the finger. And they're with the Lord. Their body's not going to be the body they were in, so to speak. It'll be the spirit, but that body's brought together. At the very moment it's brought together up, it is totally glorified, and it's fashioned like unto Christ. Glorious the body, the Bible tells us. What a great uh, promise we read also in the book of Philippians. And so that is just one of the tremendous promises of God's Word, and be likened to His glorious body. We pointed out this morning how in that rapture only saved people get, go up. Only saved people, those that died in Christ, those that are alive here on the earth, it says the dead in Christ would rise, and then we which are alive, we'll see that in a moment, and shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. But what I'm saying is, is this, is that there is going to be a rapture. It's going to happen. They were looking for that even back in the New Testament era, in Paul's day. They were looking for it back then. They spoke of it. The Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the words the Spirit gave him to write, and they said in Revelation chapter 22, Even so, come Lord Jesus. After all the great judgments of Revelation, all the great judgments that are going to be poured out that are terrible things upon this earth, and yet, even so, come Lord Jesus, we want to be with you. And so, uh, that's something that we look forward to. But, with that rapture, it could be at any moment. It could be before we finish the service. There's no, nobody knows the day nor the hour that the Lord is going to do that. The Bible's very clear on that. We read that this morning. But it is going to happen. It is going to happen. 
How many people laughed at Noah? The Lord's going to destroy this world with a flood of waters. They laughed him to scorn. Now, men today still say it didn't happen. I don't know how they find those fishes, uh, fish things, uh, bones and so forth, up in the top of mountains. How do they find those things in these different places if there was no flood? You know, it's just uh, they won't admit to it. They just won't admit to it. But the Lord said to come. They had 120 years, and 120 years it came. We're not told the day or the hour, but it will come. So with that thought in mind, we look here in verse uh, 10, the second half of that verse, starting with the word, and with all deceivableness. That's talking about that man of sin, that antichrist, that beast. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Just think of that word perish for a moment. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Perish, many times when you're looking at it in the Bible, depending on the context, and this is that context here, same as John 3, 16. Perish is speaking of your spirit. Now, the real you is inside you, okay? The real you is inside you. That real you, when you die, the word death doesn't mean ceasing to exist. It never meant that. The word death means separation. Your spirit will separate from the body. That's the real you. That's who you are. But if you die without Christ, that real spirit goes to hell and is given a body that will feel everything that my body would feel if I was on fire. There will be torments there that we cannot describe at this moment, but there will be torments there that they will be tormented night and day forever and ever. So what I want you to know and understand is that that is real, and when you look at that word perish, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, usually when somebody is sentenced, it's something that they've done, and they deserve the sentence they get. The sentence for sin is eternity in the lake of fire, where you never cease to exist, and you never pass away, you can never, never, never escape it. Forever and ever. All hell is bad. It'll be worse for some than others, but there's no good place in hell. It is so bad that it torments even the devils themselves. It is so bad. Just so that you know that. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. That's the wages of sin. That's death. That is complete separation from God forever with no hope of escape. We had no hope until God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had existed from all eternity past, when you read in John 1, in those first three verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word. And we find in verse 9 of that same first chapter, He was in the world, speaking of Jesus. And the world was made by Him. And the world knew Him not. Knew him not, even though he made the world. 
but he come. He was always in a spirit and all eternity past. He was a spirit. He didn't have a body until 2,000 years ago. But always in eternity past, he was a spirit. That spirit came at the direction of the Father because you had the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit decided this, and Jesus came because he loves you. God so loved the world. Christ loves you. He wanted to die for your sin. That's love. But to reject that love is to go to an eternal lake of fire. And so we, we read there, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why do they perish? Why do they go to hell? Because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, and that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Was that saying simply this? You're in church, maybe somebody's talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, not even in church, but they're talking to you about your soul. You hear that Jesus died for you, He's buried and rose from the dead. You're told, repent and believe the gospel. In other words, you're turning to Jesus Christ to save your soul, but in doing that, you're giving Him your heart and life. Just like in a marriage when they make a vow, you're making that vow to God that is as serious and more serious than a marriage vow because it's forever. And you don't want to do that. Hey, I want to live it up. Man, I, those Christians have no funds. Those Christians have this. All these things bad about, and it's something you don't want. It's just isn't cool to be a Christian. Well, I want you to tell you something. It won't be cool in hell either. It won't be cool there. But you heard the way of salvation, and you realize that you had never received Christ as your Savior. He was never your Lord. You never received Him. And because of that, you know that if you die today, that heaven's your home. But you're not so fearful of it because you're not there yet. But one second after death, it's too late. But also in the tribulation, if the rapture takes place and you're left behind and you were under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you were made to see that you're not saved and you need to be saved and you reject it, you reject it, you reject it. The day's going to come when the rapture takes place, you're left behind and you're not going to be able to be saved. Why? He says that God would send them strong delusion. See, they had pleasure in unrighteousness. But they didn't want that. So God will send them strong delusion that they might believe the lie, that is the lie of the devil. Oh, there's nothing to that. Some people say, well, not at this time or Oh, I'm going to do that one day, but not now. Just understand. Once the rapture takes place, you're left behind. You won't be able to be saved. There'll be people who get saved in the tribulation. But if you've heard the gospel, you realize you're not a, uh, saved, you're not a, on your way to heaven, you can't be saved. That's why 2 Corinthians 6 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I have a quick word of prayer, and then we just want to get into the rest of this message, because that is mainly review from this morning. Father, I pray now as we delve into this word tonight, Lord, we're looking at four signs of the rapture. And Lord, this is just not all the things that normally we hear preachers preach on and line up of this and of that and the things that they say. But now, Lord, we're going to look at some specific things that you do say about these days in which we live today. So, Lord, I pray that we would 
uh, see that over uh, tonight and then next Sunday, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, again, we don't know when the Lord is going to come. Matthew 24, 33 says, For likewise, when ye shall hear of all these things, ye know that it is near, even at the door. We don't know when the Lord is going to come, when He's going to rapture us. We don't. But there are things the Bible lets us know that you can know when it's near, even at the door. That means very imminent. And people have held on to that since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I pointed that out because I wanted you to see it. Uh, and I want to look at some uh, things here that when you think about the coming of the Lord. And first of all, I want to look at Matthew chapter uh, 24, verses 6 through 8, and I want to read them, where he says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Well, we've heard that since, since the days of Christ. That has gone on. Every time somebody hears about a war, they say, is Christ coming back? Well, it's not a bad thing to think about. I mean, when Christ comes, the clouds will be rolled back at the end of the tribulation. And so, uh, boy, cloudy day. Well, we're not looking at Christ to come that day, but we'll meet Him in the clouds. So, we see Him in the clouds. Uh, it's, it's a good day. You know, for us, it, it might be the day. But, we'll be raptured then this year will have seven years of the worst history it has ever had. Death everywhere. Violent death. Starvation death. Attacked by creatures from hell. One thing after another. It will happen. After the seven years Jesus comes back, has a war against the world, you might say. Blood will flow to the horse's bridle. The blood will be so deep. And then he'll set up a kingdom for a thousand years, and then after that, a millennial, uh, an, an everlasting kingdom that's forever and ever. But it says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you be not uh, troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, pestilences. We call it a pandemic today. That's what a pestilence is, a pandemic, epidemic. I mean, it's had different names. The Bible's speaking of a pestilence. Uh, we had this pandemic. I was talking to a medical doctor just the last couple of weeks, and I said to him, I said, uh, now this thing, and, and he was serious about it. He says, oh, yeah, he says, this is a very serious thing, especially this Delta virus. He said, it's, uh, it, it's going to do some nasty things on people. I says, well, we get that taken care of. He says, no, there's one already following I said, well, it looks like that's going to be an ongoing thing, one after another, isn't it? He said, probably so. I asked some other people that are in that field. They said the same thing. Other people said the same thing. Pestilences. Now, so let's just say that that is here to stay. But, you know, it's not the pestilence I'm so concerned about. 
In Revelation chapter 13, it talks about a world leader. He's referred to as the Antichrist. He's referred to there as the beast. More often, the Bible refers to him as the beast, although the word Antichrist is used. Uh, it, the beast is uh, most often used. Antichrist has two meanings. One, it can be against Christ. The other one is instead of Christ. When the world begins to worship him, it is instead of Christ. This leader, they follow him. Now, you think of the day in which we live, and we've had these uh, pandemics and Hey, they closed schools, they closed businesses. I mean, things just changed. Think of in the tribulation, it says in Revelation 13, uh, that this world leader will make war with the saints and overcome them and cause to receive a mark, which that mark will be 666, either in the forehead or in their hand. They can't buy, sell, or trade if they don't have that mark. They've got to have that mark. You know, you have them saying you've got to have the vaccine in order to do this, to do that. If you don't have the vaccine, they're trying on jobs everywhere to try to fire them. Well, just think, a lot of people are, are scared. And I understand that that's all you hear. You hear about the pandemic, how somebody gets the vaccine. It's almost like the word cancer when they say, you got a cancer. Oh, man, how much longer I got, Doc? I mean, that's usually the thought that comes to their mind. I mean, I remember when my Mom and Dad met me in the office back there and just said, uh, need to tell you something. And they started telling me, well, your mother has cancer and, and they're uh, going to start treating it. And we uh, want you to preach both of our funerals and things of that nature. And I thought, well, we're in the modern day. Now, this is 1992, you know, 91, 92. We're in the modern days, you know. They can take care of those things now, don't they? Don't. The vaccines, well, we'll get the vaccine and take care of it. Well, people get in the vaccine and they end up dying. Not that the vaccine kills them. I just said the vaccine is all these people die right after it. Some don't. I'm not a scientist to say one way or the other. I'm just saying that in the tribulation, when they're made to either receive a mark and you're told you can't buy, sell, or trade unless you have this mark, then that says that, wow, wow, I'm scared. People be fearful. And they'll receive the mark, and once they receive that mark, they'll not be able to be saved after that. Those are people that maybe entered to the tribulation, and they weren't uh, saved but never heard the gospel. Others may have been born how long will it be? You say a seven-year tribulation. How long will it be after that? Well, we'll see later in Daniel chapter uh, 9 when we get there that 70 weeks are dependent. Every, that every week is a year. Every day is a year of the week. But it says, and then Messiah, at the end of the 69th week, Messiah shall be cut off and Jerusalem destroyed. Do you realize there was 40 years between the time that Messiah was cut off and Jerusalem was destroyed. So there's a period of time. What is the period of time between the rapture and the start of the tribulation? How does the tribulation start? Does the rapture start it? No. It'll be after the rapture, but that's not what starts it. What starts it is when that world leader, that Antichrist, signs a pact with Israel. You might call it a peace pact if you want to call it that. 
They confirm a covenant. The Bible says it calls it a covenant. But because he's Satan's man, covenants don't mean a thing to them. And so, I think that we're getting a view. If you want to look at one sign, I think one of the signs is not the fact that there's this pestilence called COVID. I think a sign is the fact that we're seeing how that will happen in the tribulation. That people will fear, things will change. People will be uh, stealing, people will be doing what they need to do. They'll turn people in. Why would they turn people in that don't get the mark? Because then they eliminate competition. A world leader. So all of those things are looking that we're seeing to come, they're ahead of us. They are ahead. So the Bible doesn't really say how long after the rapture, but it will start. Uh, we said seven days. Or each day is a year in that respect. And, and we see in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7 because it's a seven year tribulation. And it calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. And, you know, prophecy centers around Israel. We, people try, I've, I've heard preachers try to center it around America, it doesn't center around America. Well, we center it around Europe or around Rome. Well, now Muslims. Well, maybe it's China. No, it centers around Israel, God's chosen people. Okay, so I want you to understand that. So they set this covenant with Israel, and one of the signs that I see is that Israel is already in the land. How can they have a covenant with Israel if they're not already in the land? Now, the Bible says about the Lord coming back and regathering all these uh, of Israel, and you'll see that in Isaiah chapter 11, how He does the regathering. Well, this coming back today is not that regathering. When the Lord regathers them, they're going to come from all points, and they're going to be there. Now, you say a lot, a lot of them come from all points, but they're not coming as believers in Jesus Christ. When he regathers them, he's going to regather them. And that's at the end of the tribulation. That's before the millennium starts and he gets them together in the rebuilding that takes place there. So I want you to understand that that is one of the things that there tells us. Well, for that to happen, Israel has to be back in the land. And, and there has to be a people to make a covenant with. They have to occupy land in order to make that covenant. And so, uh, he comes back with him. Now, that puts down, that puts down the fact that he's got a covenant with Israel, and they're in the land already. It puts down the her her heretic doctrine, I call it, of the church replaces Israel. It does not. It's not the church that's going to be in Jerusalem and Israel. It's going to be the Jew that's going to be in Jerusalem and Israel. When this world leader comes up and sets this covenant. So, you think about that. Remember God made an everlasting covenant? Abraham, 
passed on to the same promise to his son and then his son and then down to David for his kingdom. But the promise is passed on down. And what I'm saying is this. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob who becomes Israel. God made an everlasting covenant. Now, if we replace Israel, then it was not an everlasting covenant. Now, why is that important to me? Because the Lord said when I would receive him, he'd give me everlasting life. That was a covenant he made with me. I received him. Now, if he would break a covenant with Israel, that means he'd break a covenant with me. God's not going to break his word with Israel, and he's not going to break his word with me. So we know that it's going to be the way God said it would be. And so this regathering is spoken of back in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 through 16. We won't go there, but when Christ comes back and he gathers them all together at the end of the tribulation and at the beginning of the millennium. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, and uh, verse 11 uh, and 1131 uh, speaks of the abomination of desolation. And that is when the Antichrist, this world leader that made a covenant for one week, okay, that's supposed to be a seven-year promise. He makes this covenant for one week, and in the middle of the week, in the middle of the tribulation, he sets himself up, an image is made of him, and is placed in the temple. That tells us the temple has been rebuilt by man. Now, there's already been two temples before. You know, the temple back in the day, and then it was destroyed, and then they built the temple again. And then uh, even in Herod's day, he built a temple. That's the third one, you know, rebuilt it. What he did is refinish it. He didn't rebuild it. He refinished it and got it all repaired. There's no, none on that mount. I've been on the temple mount, so I know there's not one up there now. But I believe in the tribulation, it will be rebuilt. But that's not the final one. The final one's going to be when the Lord comes back and He builds the temple. Okay. But until then, and that's found in Ezekiel. But when He comes back, He'll set it up. Jesus spoke of this image that this world leader, when He breaks His covenant with Israel, and so many of them have to flee the land. Flee for their lives. He that is on the uh, housetop, don't come down and look to get things to carry with you. You just get out of there. You're out in the field, don't come back to the house. Get out of there. Woe to you if you have child at that time. It'll be a terrible time in that tribulation for the Jew from that point forward. Some people believe that the, there's a mid-tribulation rapture because of that. That's not what that is talking about at all. That is heresy through and through. There's not a pre-wrath rapture except that all are raptured at the same time before the tribulation. That's the wrath that the Bible talks about. There's not another one after that in the middle of the tribulation. Okay. These people go out. Well, here is Israel still in the land. They're chased out. This guy sets up an image. No one can buy or sell unless he'll worship this image and take its mark. To not worship that image, not to bow down, not to take the mark, can call for your death, a death penalty. It'd be like 
in the days of communism taking over these various countries where they went in and shot people. That's why they'd take their guns first. They'd confiscate guns and back then weapons, you know, that were not necessarily guns but weapons, confiscate all they could so that when they put their things in place, they could come in and control the people. That's why you have uh, confiscation of those things. Now, I'm not making a gun rights thing, although it's in our Constitution that we have that right, but I'm just saying is that uh, the gun was for protection of the home. If you take the protection, look at America. Over 300 million people. <laughs> well, over 300 million people now. Now, we have some good armies and all that, but when you're in the land and the, there's an army, could be up to millions and millions, and you, they don't have a uniform. And you watch, march through in your uniform, you're in the military, you can get shot in a hurry. You can get knocked off. That's why they want to confiscate the guns. They can get that knocked off. Now, again, I'm not trying to put anything political. I'm just trying to say, just think of the tribulation period when that happens. It will happen. If you want to look at present signs, so often people are looking at Israel being back in the land as the sign, okay, this is it. And I can remember 1947, 1948 then hits. 1948, Israel, the land, the UN says, okay, the land belongs to Israel. 1948, the World Council of Churches is formed. 1948, a group of fundamentalists who didn't like being fundamentalists that much, but had gained some leadership, started what they called New Evangelicalism. All that in 1948. Israel, though, people said, ah, that's it, Israel starts. Man, that, that's, they're back in the land. Actually, Israel's going to be back. They weren't in Jerusalem until 1967. I can remember in 1967, people asked me, does this show that the Lord is going to come? I was just a student in high school. When people asked me, is this six-day war? Does that mean that uh, the Lord is... Uh, on his way back now, uh, and I didn't know, so I said, I don't know, but I know that he could come at any moment. And, and you know, that's all you can say. We don't know the day or the hour, but there are things that can tell us when it's near. And boy, when in 67, when they went into Jerusalem, and yet, they don't have control of Jerusalem yet. Don't forget, they don't control the Temple Mount, or, although they can police things about it. In tribulation, they'll have control of the Temple Mount and then those things. But hey, it's set there. If you want to see something that looks like that might be going that direction, that is when you kind of say, okay, we're starting to see things begin to happen. We're seeing things uh, come about. And so, always be aware that we're in these days when a world council of churches, a new evangelicalism, all of that goes against the Word of God. Against the Word of God. That's why you have people uh, with the critical thinking theories. That's why you have the people with the, uh, well, you don't need repentance to get saved. Now, I'm not saying do penance. You don't do penance to get saved. Repentance. Different word. 
we so often use it, so I'll use it again. It's like marriage. You can have dated five or ten different people before you're married, but now you're just turning to that one, and you're committed to that one for the rest of your life. That's, that's repenting from what you've been to what you are. And you cheat on that one, then you have gone against your own word. It tells us that your word is lousy and no good, but that's not a reason that it breaks off. You can come back and make it right. You can make it right. And it should be made right. And so, that's why the Lord said, When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. The beast, that Antichrist, breaks his covenant right there in the middle of the tribulation. And, you know, with all these things we see about Mideast peace pacts, we've seen these peace pacts and Sometimes they'll last up to a year. What kind of a peace pact is that? I don't call that peace. Well, as I look at these things, it's not unusual to see it. But I do believe that as we see the things that have happened in this country, we've seen it worldwide with the pestilence, It's not the pestilence that we've had those down through the centuries. So that's not the new thing. What the new thing is, is control. Like the buy, sell, and trade. Now, we're not going to get the mark in this life. You and I are not going to get the mark. But, but we see a similarity in having got to have the vaccine. Now look, if you got the vaccine, I'm not saying that's evil. I'm not saying that at all, okay? I'm not, I'm not a scientist. I would not know. But I can say that some people have gotten it and it hasn't turned out well. Others people have gotten it, no problem. But what I am saying is that's a sign when they can say, we're going to take your job, we're going to do this, you're out over here, this is it, that's it. Then you start to see problems. You start to see problems, worldwide problems. Yes, Jesus could come back today. So my question is, are you ready? I've just looked at this one thing about Israel and shown the thing about this world control of an Antichrist. There's more to come next Sunday.